0: Good morning. That's not for me today. I just want to be close to love, that's all. <laughs> We're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. And in this section, Paul is trying to remind those who he is, or excuse me, Peter is reminding those he's writing to about a few things. So let's get started. Says, first of all, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them. So, how important is it to commit things to memory? I want to tell you about a uh, an annual Texas affair called Celebrate Freedom. Anybody ever live in Texas? A few? Do you know of Celebrate Freedom? All right, they went good. Well, uh, it's held at the South Fork Ranch, a 200-acre plot of land, which happens to also be the location of what used to be the Ewing Mansion on Dallas, if you remember that show years ago. Mother wouldn't let me watch that. Me either. <laughs> so in 2007, Mark and Jennifer Yarbo decided to take their four kids and go to the Celebrate Freedom just outside Dallas, Texas. Now, July is usually very hot in Texas. In fact, they say it's hot, hotter, and even hotter than that. And it's so hot, in fact, that the mantra in Texas in July is, October's coming. (laughs) And so, this particular year, uh, which was very unusual, there was a lot of warm air, moist air coming up from the Gulf, and it was... Forecast to meet this cold front coming down from the north. And there was a chance of precipitation. But everybody came out, anyway, 150,000 people on this ranch to celebrate freedom. It's the largest free concert in the United States. I think the last year it was actually held was 19 because of COVID, and I don't think they've started up. But it was sponsored by Interstate Battery. So anyway, the Yarbos went, and they set up a little tent for themselves where they could get out of the heat and so on. And Well, the forecast, you know, meteorologists, they're the only people I... and I happen to be one, but they're the only people I know who can be wrong half the time and still get paid. But the meteorologists underestimated what was going to happen in Texas that year. And in fact, there was so much moisture and so much collision of these two air masses that it was the perfect conditions for a supercell thunderstorm. And it poured. Six inches an hour. And if you're familiar with Texas, water just doesn't soak in very well in Texas soil. And it turned this 200-acre ranch into a giant mud puddle. And then the wind picked up. There was lightning, 45-mile-an-hour winds, picked up some of the tents and hurled them across the the land. People were running and screaming. It was just a a horrendous experience for the Yarbo family. Well, they headed out to the end of one of the the corners of the property where there was a shelter and and finally got into this uh, sheltered area. And then they did a nose count, and little Joseph their four- or five-year-old son was missing. Imagine, in this rush of 150,000 people, in this muddy, slippery uh, condition, apparently the herd had taken Joseph somewhere else. And so when things died down, they started looking for him. And as Mark talked to people, he he talked to one person who said, you know, I think there was a, a lost and found at the other end of the, uh, of the property. So, Mark kind of slogged through the mud uh, to get to this lost and found, and as he got closer and closer, he could see Joseph sitting there at a table, coloring in a coloring book. And of course, he was rejoicing. He went over, gave Joseph a great big hug, and, he, and, and Joseph said, Dad, I told him. I told him. I told him. And he said, what did you tell him? He said, I told him I was Joseph, the son of Mark and Jennifer Yabal. And anything else? He said, yeah, I told him we live on Hillsborough Road in Fortney, and we have a dog named Biscuit. (laughs) And uh, so Mark said, anything else? He says, yeah. He says, I told him our number was 5521420. So Mark took out his identification, showed it to the people who were in the booth, and, and took Joseph back to their tent to a very weepy but rejoicing mother, as you can imagine. Now just think of the impact that little few pieces of information that they had taught to Joseph made on their lives that day. Just a little bit of memory. So how's your memory? I have a brother who uh, just is a brilliant guy. Um, At 65, or just before that, he started developing dementia. And in dementia, one of the first things it does is affect your short-term memory. And you still have your long-term memory, but then it, it affects your short-term memory. And if, you, if it develops into Alzheimer's, then you lose track of reality. My brother is 75 years old now, lives in a, a memory unit down in San Antonio. And it's amazing to see the change, the memory just gone. Laura's father who uh, her father and mother lived with us. George had dementia, but you know what? He could still quote scripture. He still remembered the things that he learned earlier in life. They were important to him, and he couldn't necessarily tell where he was or, or who he was talking. I would go downstairs, and he'd be talking away, you know, just preaching the gospel. And I'd say, Dad, who are you talking to? He said, those guys on the sofa. They want to hear about Christ. Of course, there were no guys on the sofa. But Dad was using his memory. He was using the things that he had committed to memory earlier in life. This passage starts with Peter saying, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them. Jude makes a similar statement in Jude 5. He says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it. You know, there are things that we've learned about the scriptures, about the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, and so on, that we've, we've learned them, but the question is, do we remember them? When I go back into one of my old Bibles and I start looking at the notes that I made, I'm going, wow, I don't remember that. And yet, there it is. So, our memory is very important, but look at what he's asking them to remember, He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Which qualities were so important to Peter that he wanted to remind them of them? Well, we can go back and take a look at that. Uh, In 2 Peter 1, you'll remember at the beginning of the epistle, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, the little numbers in the upper right corner are the page numbers in the Pew Bible. If you're trying to follow along in the Pew Bible, that'll make it easier for you to find out where I'm reading. So Peter is talking to those of, as the King James puts it, like precious faith. These are people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, and this is the section 511, um, just a little bit ahead of our passage here. And look at what he says. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now, can we add anything to our faith? No. Our saving faith is all up to God, not to us. But having accepted Christ as Savior, we're encouraged to add, to add things, to supplement our faith. And he begins with this order of things that we should add. And parents, if you've got little children, let me encourage you to pay attention to this. He says, add to your faith virtue, moral excellence. Okay, now, that's important, to to be a morally excellent person. You know, a believer, somebody who has faith in Christ but doesn't live a morally excellent life, is the reason why we get accused of being hypocrites. We have to live out the excellence of Christ. And then he says, add to your virtue knowledge. Knowledge is important. But what happens if you have knowledge, but you don't have virtue? How are you going to use that knowledge? Nefariously, in many cases. And then he says, add to your knowledge self-control, and to your self-control endurance. What good would it be if a missionary went to a country, and as soon as he met some resistance, he turned around and came home? what about us dealing with our neighbors you know we make inroads very very simply with our neighbors maybe a word here a conversation there but if we get some kind of a resistance do we stop trying to bring them to christ we shouldn't right endurance and then he says add to your endurance godliness well that's got to be the epitome right i mean we're godly that's got to be the best and all of these things that he's talking about here are internal qualities There are things inside, and then he goes to the outside. And he says, to your godliness, add kindness, brotherly kindness. And to your brotherly kindness, add love. When Paul is talking to Timothy in his first epistle, in chapter 1, he says, The end of the commandment, or the purpose of the commandment, is love, out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of unfeigned faith. Love is always at the top of the list. It is always the most important of these qualities. So this 1 Timothy 1, 1.5, just reiterating that at the, at the top of this pyramid of things we should build into our lives, love is there. If we look at Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit starts with love, right? First thing mentioned. So Peter is saying, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, these things that we should be building into our lives, diligently building into our lives. How's your self-control? How's your endurance? You know, in witnessing and so on. These are things we're supposed to be building into our lives. And these qualities we need to be reminded of. And he says, though you know them, we've all learned what self-control is. We know how to define the words, but do we really incorporate it into our lives as believers? And then he says, and you're established in the truth that you have. He says, I know you know these things, and you've been established in the truth. Well if we think about how we relate to other people, if a person is not a believer, they're still in their journey seeking the truth, then the appropriate ministry to them is evangelism, right? We're not gonna go and try to teach them deep spiritual truths. We'd be casting our pearls before swine if we did that. The most important thing they need to learn, first of all, is faith in Jesus Christ. And then when a person comes to faith in Christ, what is our responsibility to them then? It's always the same, bring them closer to Christ, right? So evangelism brings them inside the family, but we still have the responsibility of bringing them closer to Christ and getting them established in the faith. Okay, there's four E's you can remember here. Evangelism, establishing, that's the first two. And he's saying he knows that these people that Peter's talking to here are established in the faith, but it's not enough. And so there's another thing to do. When someone is established in the faith, you want to equip them to serve. That's the third E equip them to serve. Do they know their spiritual gift? Do they know what God has enabled them to do that is different than other believers? How can they serve? What is the best way? So you start to equip them to be effective in the body of Christ and to serve. Then the fourth one, of course, when they are serving is to encourage them. We have the responsibility to encourage them. And that's what Peter's doing here. He's reminding them of things they already know. He's encouraging them to continue on, to do what needs to be done. Again, he says, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, to encourage you to do the things that you know you should be doing. Kind of like in, in, uh, in Texas in July where everybody's going, October's coming, you know, there is relief coming, they're reminding them things are going to get better. There's a famous sermon, and the the phrase in that one, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Right? You remember that sermon? Talking about the crucifixion on Friday? Yeah, what what the sorrow the disciples were in, and, and disillusionment and all that, but Sunday's coming. The resurrection is just around the corner. So... We need to be reminding each other about these things that should be in our lives and encouraging one another to be faithful in serving the Lord. Now, this can get a little bit uh, touchy. So if I ask you a question like, hey, how are you doing with your self-control? How's your language? Are you able to bridle your tongue? Are you able to to speak in a way that always brings God God glory? How's your self-control doing? That's an encouragement, right? It's a reminder. How about this one? Hang in there. Tribulation produces endurance. You're going through some stuff, and it's hard, but hang in there because in the end, you are going to have an endurance that others may not have because of this. All right, now I'm going to go from preaching to meddling here. Done any good works lately? We were saved unto good works, the Scripture says. Our lives are supposed to be characterized by good works. So how about encouraging one another? Have you done any good works lately? Have you been a good representative, a good ambassador for Christ in the way you live? Are you loving the Lord with your mind? <laughs> Interesting, when, uh, and when we look at the Old Testament and we look at the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord with all of your, what? Heart? Heart? And soul and strength but when they asked Jesus what is the greatest commandment of all he alone would would be able to change it which he did he said you yes, you love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength you know the mind is where we do the memorizing the minding is where we get or the mind is where we get the reminders and we act on them right so are you loving the Lord with your mind Are you actively studying the Scriptures? I'm not talking about daily readings. Those are good, but actually digging into the Scripture to find out what it really says and what God is trying to show you out of that particular passage of Scripture. Are you loving the Lord with your mind? And then what we should all be uh, encouraging each other with, the Lord's returning. He's coming, and it sure looks like it's going to be soon. So we need to be reminded of that. So Peter's talking about reminding them about these these qualities that they're supposed to have. And then he goes on to say, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. He was aware of the fact that he was not going to be living for very much longer. Now, the Lord had a very serious conversation with uh, with Peter earlier on, but it seems that maybe there was another time that isn't recorded in Scripture because he says, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. So maybe there was another time when the Lord made that clear. Maybe he's referring to the, the conversation he had about uh, John and, and Peter himself. And then he goes on in, in uh, verses, uh, well, the later verses, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now think about that. Think about the disciples at the crucifixion. How many times had Jesus told them that he was going to rise from the dead? At least a half a dozen times. But when he dies on the cross, they are despondent because they can't bring that back to their memory. They are so engulfed in their, in their sorrow that those words just didn't register. But you know, one of the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would, would do is bring to your mind all the things that I have taught you. And when the resurrection happened, then they remembered. They remembered that he had told them he was going to rise on the third day. And they were encouraged not only because he had risen, but because he had told them ahead of time that he was going to rise. So how much are you working on your memory? Hmm. Hmm. You know, there's a, an organization, a homeschool curriculum called uh, Classical Conversations. And if we understand how the memory works, they tell us that in the first few years, say up to seven or so, eight maybe, depending on the child, the child's brain is tuned to memorize. And in classico- Classical Conversations, they use all kinds of methods to teach facts during those first few years. And they're not really tied together in any way. There's timelines and there's math facts and all that kind of stuff that the kids are learning. And when the kid gets to the age where he starts to ask, well, why? Then they start into things like Latin and algebra and all those kinds of things. The, the child's mind develops and it's, it's got a propensity for different things at different times. And so, we could take a lesson from not just something like classical conversations, but from the Scripture itself, even more importantly, what are some things that help us to remember? Well, first of all, we're told about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which we're supposed to be singing to one another. I was so thrilled when we started the very first song that we sang this morning. Do you remember what it was? It was the Lord's Prayer, right? And we sang it. It helps us remember. The songs help us remember. And then hymns, boy, hymns have so much doctrine in them. Um, There's a a song, I forget who it was, maybe Bill Gaither, about I heard it first on the radio. Just hearing the hymns and understanding the doctrine that filled the hymns that he was listening to on the radio. And uh, that happens. Spiritual songs, psalms but also there's poetry in the scripture. One of the four genres of scripture is poetry, and poetry is something that's much more easy to remember. And so we can use poetry, repeated listening. What do you do when you're driving in your car? Uh, I meet with John Isel, and John drives to work when he's working for, what's the name, Portson, and he listens to the scriptures while he's driving back and forth. What a, what a great way to remember something. Just listen to it over and over. And then you can help your your memory by focused time, just devoted to memorizing. Pick a passage, pick a book, and just devote time every day to work on memorizing. And then for some of us, there's Prevagen. (laughs) But these are all things that can help us to memorize, memorize Scripture. In Deuteronomy 31.19, this is amazing, God is talking through Moses, he says, to Moses, he says, now therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. Using songs. Songs are great. It's probably the easiest way for us to memorize. How many of you listen to um, contemporary Christian music on the radio? Doesn't take very long for you to get the, the lyrics, does it? Laura and I are singing at a funeral this coming Saturday, and we're, we're learning a hymn called It Is Not Death to Die. Uh, great lyrics. And just to, uh, you know, to sing songs is helpful for memory. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you can just right off the top of your head give me the fruit of the Spirit? Huh. You know, if I was at camp right now and I said that to a camper, they would probably be able to give me those. You know why? Because the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut, right? Everybody know that one? Have you heard that one? The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut? If you want to be a coconut, you can't be a fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Wow, gentleness. I got that in the wrong order, but they're all there. Yeah, okay, so... Songs are a great way for us to learn. So, my final question to you this morning, to take with you and think about over the the coffee break, are you actively memorizing memorizing Scripture? Is it a purposeful activity in your life to memorize Scripture? This is what Peter was telling them in this. I am always motivated to bring back to your memory the things that you already know and you're already established in. We forget so soon, don't we? My mother used to say, your memory's the thing you forget with. And she was probably pretty, pretty true. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this exhortation by the, uh, by the Apostle Peter and telling us how important it is for us to build into our lives these qualities that he lists, but also to remind each other, to hold each other accountable. To encourage one, other, uh, one another to memorize, to remember, to think about what's happening, especially the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that our lives would be motivated to memorize and to incorporate into our lives the truth that you have given us through your Holy Spirit so that we can please you and we can serve you in a way that is appropriate and in a way that you want us to do.